Welcome to Petey Podcast, where we talk to interesting people about interesting things going on in the Elyria schools. Now your host, Amy Higgins. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Petey Podcast, and we're here with uh, producer Marty. Hello, everyone. And we are in studio today with two wonderful people, um, professionals in our school district, who are going to help us on a very timely topic today, the COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, welcome, Tara DeFranco and Rose Hess to Thank our you. show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Tara and Rose are uh, registered nurses in our school district. They're, one, they're two of five uh, nurses that we have employed through the Elyria schools. And um, ladies, just uh, for our listeners out there who, who certainly understand the role of nurses in a hospital setting or um, in a nursing setting, but um, what is the role of school nursing in a school district? Well, the main goal is to make sure the students and staff are healthy so they can actually function through their day and make it through the school day. Um, we work with the students to make sure their immunizations are current to keep diseases down. We are the liaison between the health department and the school district. Um, we handle kids as they come in as far as procedures go if they need you know, anything for first aid. Um, help me out, Tara. What else do we do? Yeah, we uh, administer medications. We do a lot of training for the staff um, because there is really only one of us in multiple buildings, typically. So we do a lot of medication training and disease training for the staff. Um, we also do a lot of procedures. We take care of our diabetics, and uh, we also do tube feedings. You know, anything medical that needs to be done in the schools, we actually uh, step up and do those as well. And we do contact doctors and parents regarding multiple um, disease processes and, and uh, things that students do have and that will be in the schools. And a lot of compliancy matters too, right? You have uh, a lot of uh, things that are involved with just uh, students entering school, uh, making sure that their, um, their documents are, are up to date and that we are following the regulations that we're required to follow from a health perspective. Right, especially when it comes to immunizations. We have two weeks after school starts to have all of them completed and in the computers. So uh, we have to work with the parents and other uh, health departments. We've also talked to other states to try to get these immunizations in and current. So we do a lot with that, uh, a lot of computer things. A lot of teaching. We also help the staff through some major things in their lives. We take blood pressures for them. You know, we're basically available for anybody who needs us in the school setting. And you have quite a caseload in the Elyria schools. We've got, uh, let's see, 6,400 students and then almost 1,000 right. staff members uh, in the Elyria schools. So, and there are, let's give a shout out to our other uh, nurses in the school district uh, Val, Valerie Frank. Valerie Frank. We have Jennifer Pacman and Melissa Froboda. And Melissa yes. Froboda, all working hard in the Elyria schools, um, along with our wonderful health aides that uh, are yes. right arms. Yes, for them. Yeah, thank you for for reminding me about the health aides. That's been a newer um, addition to the Elyria school staff, but so critical. Wouldn't Absolutely. you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
And they're oftentimes the one that um, the parents hear from too, right? Yes. They, they can be if, you know, Johnny doesn't feel well and has to go home. Sometimes you're hearing from the, the health aid, not necessarily from you guys. Correct. Correct. So here we are. We're, we're in studio to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. This has been um, such a ride. We've, we've talked on this show many times uh, already in, about the various aspects of um, COVID and the pandemic and how it's impacted people with school and just uh, socially and emotionally, but, but so critically, the health impact. Um, what can we expect? We have a lot of questions out there, and you guys have done uh, a great job outlining some of the main concerns that, that um, people are bringing forth to the healthcare professionals about the COVID-19 uh, vaccination. But, you know, there, we hear about two types, Moderna and Pfizer prominently. Um, what can you tell me about those? Are, are they basically the same? Are, there, are they different? How do they work? Uh, well, most vaccines um, that we've seen in the past are either inactivated um, vac- uh, viruses, I should say, um, or weakened viruses. Um, so they actually inject a part of the virus into you, and it basically stimulates your immune system to start producing antibodies. The Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, however, are a bit different. Uh, they are an mRNA or messenger RNA, and it's basically genetic material that contains instructions for making proteins. Now, the mRNA vaccines for COVID contain synthetic mRNA. Um, and inside the body, once it reaches the cells, it instructs them to produce the spike that is found on the COVID um, virus. So the typical, when you see the pictures of the COVID virus, it has those spikes on it. That's where it mm-hmm. gets that name, the coronavirus. Um, so once the body recognizes the spike protein as an invader, it produces antibodies to um, attack it um, and, and to get our immune system ramped up. If the antibodies later encounter the actual virus, they are ready to recognize it and destroy it. So, so interesting. The, the vaccine is a teacher then, a teacher to your body. Pretty much, yes. So it goes in, um, you're, so a lot of people have asked, am I actually getting COVID when I get uh, the vaccine? You just said no. No, you are not. And um, it does not alter the DNA in any way. It's just kind of a recipe that's used to create the protein that works against your antibodies. So it's not any kind of dead cells or anything from the virus in any way. Um, it does not alter your DNA either. Once it's inside the body, the body kind of absorbs it and forgets about it. So all that's left are those memory cells to produce the antibodies against the virus should the virus invade the cells. So uh, what's the impact then if you're a person who, um, you know, has maybe already been exposed to COVID, um, if you're, um, you've already been diagnosed, not necessarily actively, um, but you've, you've had COVID, um, can you still get the vaccine? Absolutely. Uh, and it actually is recommended that you do. When you get the, the virus itself, um, if you do get infected with the virus, after your infection, you're, you basically have what they call a natural immunity time period, which is about 90 days, three months, where your body has developed its natural immunity against um, the virus. Not sure if it lasts longer than that or not. You know, of course, this is so brand new. We're still learning things about it. 
Um, however, once that time period ends, you're basically kind of lumped in with the, with the rest of the population and you can, of course, get the, the virus again. Um, so it is recommended that you do, even if you've been infected with the virus in the past, that you do get the vaccine. And, you know, with uh, school employees are, are um, at least in Lorain County here in Ohio, are getting ready to receive um, their first dose of the Moderna vaccine, which mm-hmm. we just said is kind of tomatoes, tomato uh, with the, the Pfizer brand. They work the same way to teach your body uh, how to respond and attack the invading virus. Correct. Is, is what I heard. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, um, you know, we're, we're all as a school district getting ready because as people know, school employees have been deemed a priority group to receive the vaccine based on their close contact with uh, large groups of people, students, and um, certainly how the virus has uh, been transmitted in terms of from person to person. It's a good idea when you have groups of people that are going to be around other big groups of people to, to make that a priority. So um, it's definitely something that um, could change uh, for the better, the scenario in school districts mm-hmm. right now. And that's the goal. Yep. That is the <laughs> Looking goal. Looking forward to that. Yes. yes. And we've had some nice conversation with the health department who has uh, the Loring County uh, General Health District has been amazing through this process um, in guiding us as a school district. And uh, we do have to, you know, give kudos to them uh, for their work and then their work with you. Absolutely. But um, they are very optimistic that when the large uh, groups of people start to receive the vaccine, that things will change for the better. Are you hearing that as well? Yes, and we're really looking forward to it because this has been a long road, almost two years now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we've got the our own vaccine clinic coming up uh, this week, which is uh, for the right. O'Leary schools. It's uh, on February 26th. It's a, a scheduled uh, setup through the health department. Mm-hmm. And when... The employees and uh, anyone out there who who goes to get the vaccine, um, get the first dose. First off, why do we have to have two doses? I, I'm curious about that. What's the what's the purpose of the d- double dose? Well, the first dose gives you about 50% immunity, and the second one boosts you. It's called a booster, and it ups you to about 90 to 95%, which is wonderful. And most uh, vaccines aren't that good. So this is really profound that they've been able to push this so fast. Um, It's very safe. That's the other thing. People think it's not safe because it was pushed through quickly. But these people work 24 hours a day trying to get this going. And actually, years ago, they started the framework for this because they've always had that in the back of their mind that there could be a pandemic, Mm -hmm. especially with world traveling and Mm -hmm. things like that and people getting to other remote parts of the world. So they actually started on this framework years and years ago. So then they tweaked it to, to counteract the COVID, ex, the COVID virus. Yeah, and I've heard that in the news that, you know, we all kind of feel like this seems like a, a quick process, but they've been working on, on this for, for quite some time is what they, they report. Absolutely. And there's more than just one group of people doing this, one group of scientists doing this. I mean, this, this is worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, people are trying to come up with a, a solution and a vaccine to um, to counteract and, and fight this virus. 
And, you know, we, we talked a few moments ago about, um, about that this isn't a live virus that they're, um, that they're receiving through the vaccine. But, um, but for some people, it is making them feel uh, a little under the weather uh, after the first dose or second dose. I've heard more on the second dose. But mm-hmm. why does that happen? You want me to go with that? Yeah. Um, basically, it's your body's response to a foreign invader. And that's a natural reaction. It's not a. It's not a um, uh, an allergic reaction. A lot of people think that if they they feel sick, they get a fever, um, become under the weather, that they had a reaction to the vaccine. That's a natural re- response of your immune system. And it's actually a good thing because it shows your immune system's kicking in against the invaders. So that's why the second one is a little bit, you have a few more side effects than the first one because you have more of those antibodies because you're trying to get to that 90 to 95% immunity. Yeah, they're normal signs that your body's actually building protection for you. And uh, the most common are, you know, pain at the site uh, where you receive the vaccine and uh, you also might get a fever, feel achy, uh, those types of things, um, but not typically anything more severe than that. And not everybody gets those side effects. I've had a lot of questions about that, too. Everybody thinks they're going to feel terrible, f- you know, for the next couple of weeks, but really not as many people get the reactions that you think, you know, where you're going to be that sick that you can't work. Usually it's about 24 hours. That's why we're doing it on a Friday. So you have two days to recuperate. So by Monday, you should be feeling like your old self. And there are a lot of uh, things that we can help you out with as far as minimizing the side effects, too. We have some tips and tricks to help you with that, too. So you shouldn't worry if you're a person who doesn't have any uh, symptoms from it. It's your body's mm-hmm. still working. Right. <laughs> you right. don't have to worry that you're the one person that it isn't working I didn't for. Get sick. Yeah, oh, right. Darn, I should have gotten sick. <laughs> right, right. Why Deeper. am I not sick? Shoot, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. right. So that's okay. Everybody responds differently, right? Absolutely. But we do have some ways to minimize the side effects if you'd like to hear them beforehand. Um, we learned that you can avoid sugar and alcohol for 24 to 48 hours, and that definitely helps. Ah. Um, stay hydrated because that's a real good way to, to help your body get everything flushed out and all the toxins flushed out. So that would be beforehand. Those are just two little things you can do that's, you know, no medication. Um, you should not take any medications for pain beforehand because it can minimize your body's reaction because a lot of these pain meds, are, are they work as anti-inflammatories, and you want that inflammatory response in your body. So that's why they are recommending that you don't take Tylenol or ibuprofen or anything like that. Um, afterwards, if you're really having some side effects you don't feel like you want to live with, you can take Tylenol, but don't take it very often. And try not to take ibuprofen because, as I said, that is an anti-inflammatory medication. Um, If you have arthritis and you're taking anti-inflammatories like naproxen or anything like that long-term, check with your doctor on that and see if he wants you to take it or maybe skip a dose. So that's something that you need to talk to your physician about. That's great information. And I know uh, we heard from the health department also that if you have had any um, other vaccines before two weeks prior to your scheduled appointment for receiving the COVID vaccine that you should wait. Correct. Correct. Like shingles um, shots or things like that. Blue vaccine. Why is that? Do they kind of counteract each other or what, what happens in that process? They could counteract each other and you could also have some bigger side effects. I see. Okay. Yeah, I just had the, 
I just had the shingle shot yesterday, and they said I can't get the correct the vaccine on Friday. Yeah. I also heard the same thing about the the second shot having a little more of a side effect. Yeah, kick. it's got a little <laughs> more kick because yeah. yeah. your body already has recognized that as an invader. Yeah, so that it's makes sense. Be ramped yeah. up for the second one. So, if you are one who has had um, COVID, have been infected with COVID prior to getting your first vaccine. You may have those symptoms after your first vaccine ah. um, because it's already been introduced into your body, and um, that that first vaccine is really your second dose, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. if you really think about it that way. And one of the other things is too, it takes about two weeks for both vaccines to kick in, so you can actually contract the virus during that time. So it's not impossible for you to still get the virus after you've had your shot. So some people figure that that means the the vaccine's not working, and that's not the case. It just hadn't kicked in yet because you need about two weeks. No, that makes sense. It has to take root and uh, give your your body time to learn. Right. So after you get your first vaccine, if you come in contact and um, you could still contract the disease from someone else within those actually first month, really. Um, But say you get the vaccine a week later, you come in contact with someone who is positive, and then you find that out, well... A week later, you become sick. You, you can't say that the, the you got the vaccine, so you know I shouldn't have been able to get sick. Well, we're just we're starting that process, so you don't have your full immunity built up yet. So um, you still need to take precautions um, during this process so and after. At so this don't, time, don't burn your mask nope. and, no. and run and hug <laughs> no. everyone. No, right. no, no celebrating yet. <laughs> yeah, very. We're we're laughing about that, but that's great. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Marty, mm-hmm. because yeah, you you should still be wearing uh, your mm-hmm. mask, still distancing where um, possible, mm-hmm. because you know you're not. There are there's a large chunk of the population that still um, has not received the COVID right. vaccine, so mm-hmm. even for um, others' protection as well. Right. And um, Rose. I, I appreciate your um, your little tips there on on definitely not on uh, pre- not premedicating. Um, that makes a lot of sense in terms of not uh, kicking up your um, body's response to things. But what else uh, should people know when they go to uh, receive the vaccine? I mean, is this the day to um, select your uh, tightest turtleneck to wear? <laughs> to work (laughs) absolutely not and that's the one thing we had a problem with when I you know we were into these clinics is people wear really tight things it's winter time they're wearing turtlenecks they practically have to get naked one guy had his shirt completely (laughs) off because we couldn't get to his arm so it's a little challenging for us and you don't want to wear something that you have to roll up and it's going to cut the circulation off in your arm because when you get that shot it is going to hurt more later so you want to wear loose fitting clothes something we can get to your arm real easy um, another tip is do not pick, you get to pick the arm you want your shot in. Do not pick the arm of the side you sleep on because you're oh. going to want to roll over and sleep on that side. And for anybody that's had these shots, when you go to sleep and you roll over on your side you're used to, it will hurt. Mm-hmm. So kind of pick the opposite side. And it's okay to pick your right side if you're right-handed because exercise actually makes the side effects less. So you kind of want to get your arm moving and put a cold wet rush rag on it, a clean one, just to kind of put it on there for the swelling that might come up. 
um, move your arm, like I said. And when you get your shot, they taught us at the health department that you want to make your arm like a noodle. You want to hang it down by your side, get real relaxed, and it won't hurt as bad, and you won't have as bad of swelling afterwards. So I'm talking about like a cooked noodle, not, you know, a raw one. (laughs) (laughs) Hang it down, practice, hang it down there, (laughs) wiggle it around a little bit, and then we'll shoot you before you even realize what happened. (laughs) And that'll help with some of the side effects as well. No, that's all great. And uh, you you talked a little bit about some of the things you shouldn't consume prior to uh, the dose, our doses. Um, You mentioned sugar and and alcoholic beverages or whatnot, but... um, I've heard water is important. Yes. Uh, hydrating bef- while, during, and after, mm-hmm, very important. And no alcohol really after either because it could really interfere with things and you won't feel good. Yeah, that's great to know. Um, I, I, what else can you say about I, You guys are getting a lot of questions on this. Um, I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions from staff on all kinds of topics. But um, you mentioned, uh, well, I mentioned that I had heard about not getting the shot if you've had vaccines of another sort two weeks prior. But what about other things? Like what if you had to have an x-ray the day before? What if you had to, you know, you're on a antibiotic or something like that? Does that, does that matter? That, that shouldn't affect you getting the vaccine, no. Okay. If you have a procedure before, uh, for instance, if you are going in for, uh, let's say, a cortisone shot for um arthritis or something like that, then I would definitely talk to your doctor about that because that probably will be a contraindication and you should wait until um, at least several weeks after that procedure before you can get the vaccine. The bottom line is if you really have in-depth questions about your health and what this could do, you need to talk to your physician because, you know, there there's complications in some of these things and, and they might want to talk to you about it. Um, one of the things we got a lot of questions about were the allergies to the shots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the shot does not contain eggs, preservatives, or latex, which uh-huh. some of your vaccines do, and that's what people are allergic to many times. So it does not contain that, um, so it should not be a problem. Uh, severe allergic reactions are usually within the first 15 minutes, and you will be going to a holding area for those 15 minutes, and there's like paramedics there watching out for people to have reactions so they can take care of you immediately. You can have a reaction up to four hours later, but it's not usual. That's like really rare. Um, what we consider a big reaction is anything like hives, shortness of breath, wheezing, you know, fainting, things like that. Just redness at the site is normal you know, a little bit of achiness, aches and pains, like you have the flu, uh, a little bit of headaches. Headaches was the big one that we've heard from most people. Those are all minor and they are not considered side effects. They're not, I'm sorry, their side effects are not allergic reactions. Now I have had um, many of questions regarding what if I have allergies? You know, what if I have an allergy to penicillin or I, I've had a severe allergy to, you know, some food? Well, the CDC recommends that people with a history of severe allergic reactions not related to vaccines, for example, food, pets, uh, medications, that type of thing, that they do still get vaccinated. Um, now, if you've had a severe allergic reaction to any ingredient in these particular mRNA vaccines, then um, you should not be vaccinated. Um, If you've had a minor allergic reaction, which would be swelling, hives, um, things like that of that nature from a prior vaccine, that would be something to discuss with your doctor to see if if it is worth worth the risk taking. 
Um, and, and your doctor can decide whether it's safe or not for you. Um, or if you've had a severe reaction to, uh, so most of us are going to be getting our first vaccine on Friday, the 26th. If you have a severe allergic reaction to that vaccine, um, or even mild allergic reaction, such as the hives and, and whatnot, then you really should not get the second vaccine. Um, but it's all related to whether or not you have allergies to vaccines or an ingredient in the vaccine. Other allergies really will not make a difference and do not affect whether or not you should um, or shouldn't get it. You should get it. And, I mean, the, such, uh, such great information and definitely um, certainly want to hit that uh, point again that you should check with your, your medical doctor. Yes. If you have any questions or concerns, definitely if you have a pre-existing condition, Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, your doctor would be aware of. Make sure you're having those conversations before you you get the vaccine. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the the things that you're not supposed to do and and things like that. Is there a list or um, something that they give you when you sign up for the vaccine, like an email or? whatever, to go over some of these things or? Not really. Not that I'm aware of. Well, we do have um, on, I know that the health department does have a frequently asked questions um, sheet that you can reference Mm -hmm. at Lorain County Health. And the CDC has a tremendous amount of of information with any kind of, um, you know, what question that you may have on, on all of these things, you might Mm -hmm. have to do a little searching for it, but, but I know that information's out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. State of Ohio has a good, uh, corner on their website with all the information as well, or you can ask any of us that are giving your shots that day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we hear a lot, um, recently about these variants too. Um, you know, what's the story on, on that? Just with any type of um, virus, uh, throughout the years, they they do they mutate. They mutate. Um, there are lots of variants out there, and same with this this vaccine. Yeah, I know that um, with the regular flu, they they change them every year, don't they, to add the prevailing type yes, of virus right. that's going around. Typically with the flu vaccine, um, they'll have the most common type A, type B, and then two others. A lot of times it's it's four strains in the shot. Um, but again, viruses, they, they constantly change. They constantly mutate. Um, this is something that is expected. Um, as most people have heard that there are variants of this coronavirus, this um, COVID-19 virus that are circulating globally. There's three in particular that have been noted, one in the UK, one in Brazil, and one in Africa. Um, But so far, studies have suggested that the antibodies generated through the vaccinations um, with that we're currently authorized to use, the Moderna and the Pfizer, um, that these vaccines, they're recognizing these variants. Um, however, of course, it's being closely monitored, investigated, and um, continue to be studied. So they, with this uh, vaccination, they 
they are they wouldn't vary it uh, later on down the line they or may they vary is it something yes. they can yeah they'll be yes. constantly looking and tweaking things just like they do with the flu vaccines okay. and mm-hmm. everything else and they do have those two single shot dosages coming up uh, from AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson the only problem that we're finding when we were doing our research is that they're really not as effective as the first shot and then the second booster so they're not going to be quite as effective and what they're going to be really good for are hard-to-reach areas where you can't get people to come back for their second shots for whatever reason, and they can only give one. It's better than nothing. Yeah. So we're really fortunate that we're getting the Moderna or the Pfizer. They're both pretty on the same uh, playing field, really. Yeah, I'm glad you brought those up because we are starting to hear more about the, I hadn't heard of the uh, first one you mentioned, but the the Johnson uh, Johnson & Johnson version but again to your point hearing that it's not quite as effective as um, the ones that are circulating right now Um, you know uh, as we talk about the the development of this vaccine and and really any vaccine you don't know what you don't know right right so um, the experts are continuing to study it New information is coming out every, every day. day. Yeah, we try to keep up. We actually have meetings with the health department frequently, and they give us our updates, and then we can kind of all be on the same page and update mm-hmm. everyone at the schools, too. Well, you guys are intimately involved in the clinic that's happening right here um, at our schools on uh, this week. And um, what's that going to look like? I mean, I know you guys have been through some um, specialized training for this, um, but what what can people expect? There's definitely going to be a a certain flow to the entire clinic. Um, They're trying to have about 1,200 people in each pod, and there's five pods in the district, and they're trying to make sure that every school employee in Lorain County gets their vaccine that same day. So there'll be pods in, you know, the different districts, not just ours. Lorraine, um, I know there's one in North Ridgeville. Um, I believe Avon. Avon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure. It's not just going to be for our staff. Um, in the morning is for Elyria City Schools, and in the afternoon we'll be bringing in some of the parochial schools and places like that to, to help them out. So we have uh, one place to get them all. Um, the the health aides are going to be helping direct traffic, you know, inside to make sure that everybody gets to the same station they're supposed to go to. Um, people from the board office are stepping up, I understand, and going to help with the, the traffic flow inside. Um, it's going to go fast. Like, you're just going to be going to whatever station is going to be open, whichever one of us is at that station. Um, you're being met at the door, and you're going to show them that QR code that you received when you signed up. So make sure once you sign up and you get that text or whatever you're going to get or email that tells you to, to get this QRS code, make sure you get that because you're going to need it at the door. Um, then once they ask you some questions, it goes on the computer. We go over just a few minor things. You get your shot. You go to the holding area for 15 minutes to see if you're going to have a bad reaction. And then you're pretty much out the door. Um, you will be getting a card, and it's going to have the lot number of the vaccine on it. So in case anything goes wrong, we know what lot number it came from. And you're going to have to put your own name on that because we can't put everybody's names on them at one time. So make sure you do not lose that card. It's really important when you come back for your second vaccination that you have that card with you. Yeah, that's that's very great. Uh, very great information. Excellent, um, excellent, uh, interesting information about leading up to the vaccine, what you should be doing to prepare. Should you eat something before you come? 
You uh, should. I mean, you don't have to. Just use it like your regular day. If it's okay. your lunchtime and, and you want to eat. Sugar kind of. Yeah, just kind of stay okay. away from the yeah. sugar. And, you know, I'm sure you're not going to have a drink at lunch and come get your shot. And, and if you know yeah, that. No. <laughs> no. It's a work day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know your body, too. So if you, and I've talked to several staff members who, this is very, um, very stressful. And, you know, getting shots in, in particular, just getting a shot is very stressful. So if you know that you're. This is something that's going to stress you out. You know, you are going to want to have something on your stomach just to make sure that you're feeling okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, definitely. If you yes, need to take your Xanax that day, go ahead and take it. Practice. I was going to suggest practicing <laughs> mindfulness, but okay. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, no, we we certainly understand the anxiety that's, in, um, you know, created around all of this. Definitely, Um Speaks to brighter days ahead, getting the vaccine, but this is no small step either. Um, a lot There's of stress also a involved lot behind the scenes too. That it's very interesting. There are people that have to monitor the freezers, make sure they're at the right temperature. Because if you have a dose that goes bad, you can't use it. You cannot refreeze vaccines, so they have a no waste policy. So they will be using every dose. That's why it's so important to sign up and make sure that you're counted because they're actually counting out individual doses. Someone fills up the syringes for us. They put them in a little pan by us. There's going to be two people at each table, long tables, giving the vaccines. Um, So they refill our syringes as needed. We have Band-Aids already open, so it's very quick. You just hang your arm like a noodle. You get a shot and get your Band-Aid card, and you go. So it's really fast. Are they they cold when they inject? No, because Mm -hmm. they thaw them out, and they have to wait about 15 minutes before they can inject it. Because I know it's... hurts more if, if it's not like body temperature yeah. when they yeah they make sure that that's yeah. all everything's body temperature everything's already out of the freezer and yeah their biggest thing is that they don't want anything going back in the freezer because you can't do that it'll waste it yeah a lot of intricacies to this yes. i i've heard that as well um and also uh different temperatures that the the two brands have to be kept yes. at and so oh, really? depends mm-hmm. on which one you receive mm-hmm. as to the process that that is used for storing it and that's why they just don't randomly do them in doctor's offices you know I had people ask me well why can't you just do them in your clinic at school well because I don't have the freezer capacity I don't have you know all that stuff on hand that I need to thaw these out properly and I don't would not know how many to, to thaw out I mean it's a it's a big Big deal. I'm glad that we're just giving them and not having to be responsible for that part because you don't want to see anything get wasted. How many people are giving shots at one time? There will be 10 of us. 10 at once? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how many are we giving approximately? 1,200 that day. Wow. That's just here in mm-hmm. our right. pod. There are multiple pods going on, as right. you guys yeah. uh, discussed They already. have a huge mm-hmm. one at the JVS, too, so... We're all going to be pretty busy that day. They've enlisted yeah. all of us uh, nurses that work in the schools. We all volunteered for this. And then most of us volunteered to be on the medical corps organization where we can also help with vaccines later, not just in our district. Yes, because um, you guys are doing them in community settings, too, Correct. from what I understand. some of, A couple of our school nurses are already involved in that. Right. I don't know if either of you are, but yes. um, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, as we kind of uh, look to look to this Friday and um, for any other listeners who are not school employees who are kind of contemplating their options for the COVID vaccine, do you have any uh, final advice that 
you want to share or any tips that are important information that we missed that, you know, we should talk about for the general, um, general public? Well, I do have to say that um, th- this is this is something that I believe is going to be very beneficial. Um, I can honestly tell you that probably three months ago, I was not going to get the vaccine. Um, on a personal note, I did um, contract the virus. I, I was sick. Um, it, it was not severe. I, I was very sick, but I did not, you know, not hospitalized or anything like that. Um, but that was in November, and still to this day, I'm still battling some residual effects from it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're minor sometimes. Um, uh, I, I'll get headaches that I just, I never had before, you know, and um, seeing different doctors for different things. So that being said, it has changed my mind um, as far as whether or not I should get it um, because you don't know how it's going to affect you. You know, there are people who do get the virus and they have a runny nose (laughs) or, you know, a little cough and they don't even realize they had it. Others, you know, are ending up in the hospital and, you know, it ultimately death Mm -hmm. for for many of these these people. So um, that really changed my mind um, because it was relatively a minor um, case that I had. Uh, I felt like a really bad flu. (laughs) crushing headache, you know, that type of thing. But I did not end up in the hospital, but I am dealing with things, you know, three, four months down the road. So um, I I do think it's very beneficial and important um, to get it. I think everybody should do what's best for themselves and their family um, and their community. So um, that's my two cents. I really appreciate that, Tara, really um, to share your personal story like that. Thank you. And we, we have heard that from mm-hmm. others that um, have also um, gone through having it and described that they're still dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, side effects from it that, you know, may be yeah. lingering for who knows how long. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're worried now because they're thinking that it affects the blood vessels and you can actually have clots, throw clots, and have strokes, heart attacks. That could happen years down the line. Um, my dad has COPD. He can't breathe. Um, he's 85. He decided he is in Florida. He did not need to wear a mask. It was too hot. He wasn't wearing it. It's all BS. He contracted it. He was on a respirator for two weeks. He's very lucky that he made it out alive and that he's home. And now he's very sorry he didn't listen. (laughs) And he's recommending that anybody out there that's in his situation get the shot, especially if you have underlying medical conditions, because it really can take your life. Mm. Well, that's absolutely so compelling. Thank you for sharing both of those stories. And and we've heard versions of those um, in the media. And then, of course, um, just personally, you know, with uh, I don't know that there's one person now who can say they don't know somebody who's been impacted or hasn't been impacted by COVID. It's that uh, that common these days. So thank you both. You're welcome. You you never know how it's going to affect you. You really don't. You can be the healthiest person and not make it and you know you can be someone who's ill and actually go yeah. through a lot and make mm-hmm. it but they're still they're still battling mm-hmm. um, yes. some issues so yes anything you want to leave our listeners with today anything that we left out that we really needed to touch on uh, another question that I had a lot from staff um, are what if I'm pregnant 
Mm. Um, or what if I'm getting pregnant, you know, want to get pregnant, you know, those, you know, newlyweds. And um, so bottom line or the best advice we can give you is if you are pregnant, you can choose to be vaccinated when it's available to you. So if you're a staff member and you're getting it on Friday, you can definitely choose that. There's no current um, evidence that the antibodies formed for the COVID vaccine um, causes any problems with with your pregnancy, um, including the development of the placenta. Um, people who are trying to become pregnant now or who plan to in the future may also receive the vaccine um, when it becomes available. At this time, there's no evidence of fertility problems. Um, so, you know, you'll hear a lot of things on the news or social media and, and, and things like that. Um, if you are someone who's pregnant or someone who has another medical condition, you know, it's, it's best to do your own research at, you know, with credible sources than getting some information off of mm -hmm. social media and um, even some of these news, news sites because it's, it's not always accurate. We're not planting chips inside of you. If we were, I'd be planting one inside somebody to give them a little common sense. We are not <laughs> giving you chips. <laughs> we know how Rose feels about it. We've <laughs> some strange things. Uh. You know, you're talking about the pre-existing. My uh, wife had a dormant TB virus where she had to take the medication to keep it dormant. Mm -hmm. She always mm -hmm. tested positive for TB. Mm. And she had read that could make that virus active again. So she talked to her doctor and he said to go ahead and, and get it. Um, right. So in, in that case, uh, he thought it was more of a, a beneficial right. thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you really it. have to weigh those risks and benefits, you know, the pros and cons. Um, there are some people that know they should not get this vaccine, but the majority of people, they absolutely should. And another thing, too, is if you do have a really bad reaction, there is a website that the CDC wants you to go to, and it's called V-SAFE. It's capital V-S-A-F-E. It is on the cdc.gov V-SAFE, and you need to report that bad reaction. And by bad reaction, I mean, like, something you might have to go to the hospital for, um, something outside of, you know, just your usual, my arm is sore and I'm achy. And they want all this reported because that's how they use the data to study the effectiveness of the vaccines, anything that they have to change about the vaccine, and what percentage of the people do have severe reactions. Right now, the severe reactions are very, very low. Um, it's less than 1% of everyone who's been vaccinated around the world. So it is proving to be one of the safest vaccines. But they do want you to go to that CDC website, Be Safe, and there is an app on your phone even that you can download and you can keep up with it that way, too. They might want to get in touch with you in the future to use you for some kind of study just to, you know, see how you're doing and, and if you're better and and things like that. So just remember it's called VSAFE, and it's on the cdc.gov slash VSAFE to report. And if you're not sure if it's a, a side effect or a reaction, always report it. Um, it's always good to give that information so we can get accurate data. And, and again, in Ohio, uh, they do have a specific rollout plan uh, for the vaccine in terms of um, most, uh, most in need, uh, elderly, mm -hmm. uh, first responders, um, designated priority groups uh, like school staff and, and others, healthcare workers. And 
Um, but uh, it's it's expected to be rolling out more commonly uh, mm-hmm. over the next several months to uh, everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Is that what you're yes. hearing as well? And with That's the correct. weather getting nicer, we won't have as many delays getting the vaccine shipped in either. I just uh, heard Dr. DeWine talking about having um, stadiums once it gets springtime and it's nice out and actually employing the National Guard to help Mm. and doing like thousands of them in one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here. I I don't want to cut off our interview if there's more information that um, I see you guys pointing at your tip sheet there. (laughs) Did you cover that one? There's actually one more thing that we probably should touch base on, and um, it's... Once we get the vaccine, are we going to go celebrate? <laughs> you know, take your we mask still, off. No, up your heels? should we still social distance? Should we still wear our masks? Um, yes, yes, you should. Uh, you know, experts are learning more and more about the uh, protection of the vaccines, um, but again, we don't know everything, right? So it's important for everyone to continue using these tools to help mitigate. Um, the spread of this, this disease. And, uh, until we do find out more, keep wearing those masks, you know, social distance, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't go out if you're sick. Um, those are, those are just basic things that really, really are very effective. And, you know, I know the holidays, we went through the holidays, you know, nobody, there, there were so many people that didn't get to see their loved ones. I know a lot of people, um, took on to Zoom and Google Meet and all that good stuff, which was really nice. Um, but now that the weather's getting nicer, um, it's not it's not um, a bad idea to, because there's more than just this, this illness, you know, the physical effects of this. There's so much more to this virus. There's, there's emotional and mental and social. There's, there's so many things that are, are, important to still remember. Um, and especially with these kids and people who are being isolated, it's, we're going on a year and some people are truly isolated to their own home. And, um, it's, it's okay to go outside and visit with people, just maintaining that distance. You can still see each other. You can still, you know, um, interact, um, just maintaining those barriers. Um, so I, I, I recommend that, you know, for our own, our own mental health and uh, the mental health of our kids and, and our parents and um, do, do consider doing things like that. You know, we can still be social, but be social distanced, you know, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We've talked a lot on this show already um, with our social workers about the impact that this has had um, mentally and socially and emotionally and um, so great information. Yes, we, we have uh, hope with the spring weather and hopefully seeing some temperatures in the 40s today that maybe, um, you know, we're going to be starting to see some nicer weather and, and maybe get out more and have that opportunity to, to connect again in a yes. safe way. Yes. So ladies, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back to PD Podcast. I know you were like, I don't know about this, but so glad you were here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the great information. It wasn't as painful as we thought. (laughs) Yeah, this was more informational than I thought, too. Because, you know, you hear hear about uh, the coronavirus 24 hours a day. Right. You just expect to have heard it all. Mm -hmm. A lot of rumors out there. Yeah, especially your your checklist. no, that was interesting to to know about the not taking ibuprofen and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, re- and the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I think that's always helpful because you hear these things, but you don't always know why. Right, and there's so, so much information out there. Yeah. Um, there's good information, there's bad information. You yep. know, you really need to know where to look. You know, you have the FDA, you have the CDC, you have the Ohio Department of Health. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of State good of resources. Ohio. Yes, a lot of good resources. So um, if you have questions, you know, always reach out to one of us. You know, if, if you're an employee here or even, you know, you can always give us a call and, um, the health department is always an amazing resource. Yes. Um, but so find, what would, find good information. So uh, Google-wise, you know, what would they search for the health department, the Lorain County Health Department of Health? You could just mm-hmm. look up Lorain County think, Health Department. Yeah, LorainCountyHealth.com, right yeah. I think, is the... That's probably your ultimate source. They right? have yeah. great resources there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, or the Ohio resources. Department of Health. I know right. they, they're all linked. They right. all have, they all have uh, the same mm-hmm. basic information. CDC has a whole complete COVID portion of mm-hmm. it. You know, there's things you can download from there if you need more information. Mm-hmm. The V-Safe is on there. Yeah. yeah you just, uh, I'm just thinking... We give them too many choices; they'll get mixed up and just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you if go, if you go to the Lorraine County, if you go to Lorraine County Health Department, um, there will be links to the CDC on there, and you, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's all linked together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. We appreciate You're welcome. it. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty. Yeah. Very good.